Grab a bowl and dig into this. The Serial Entrepreneur by Startups Magazine. We interview the most innovative startups at the moment, entrepreneurs that are making a mark, and those dedicated to helping startups succeed. Hi, I'm David from Capterra UK, a free online resource where you can compare software from nearly 1,000 categories and find over 2 million verified reviews. Today, we'll be focusing on applicant tracking systems, or ATS for short. ATS is a recruitment software that helps companies manage the hiring process by providing skills matching, database, and filtering abilities. These selections were chosen based on reviews provided by verified users. We've put together for you the five best applicant tracking system tools from companies headquartered in the UK. The top ranked in alphabetical order are Applied, an ATS tool that uses skills-based assessments and anonymizes applicants to help with employee selection. Eploy, a cloud-based recruitment platform offering recruitment CRM, onboarding, and analytics as well as applicant tracking. EvaRec, an applicant tracking system that can assist with job posting, CV filtering, and candidate ranking. Firefish, a recruitment agency-focused software tool that offers CRM, ATS, and database features. And Talos ATS, a recruitment software designed for in-house recruiters with email and SMS automation and tools like OneClick Apply. For more about Capterra and our other software providers and their reviews, discover us at capterra.co.uk and the Capterra UK YouTube channel. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Serial Entrepreneur podcast. Today I'm joined by Alex Pavlov, partner of the European investment team at RTP Global. RTP Global is a global early stage venture capital firm backing founders who use technology to reimagine how the world works. So welcome on the show today. Thanks for having me, Anna. It's great to be here. So uh, we always begin with our signature icebreaker question, which is what's your favorite breakfast cereal and why? Um, Look, I have two kids. So my ideal setup, and and they are quite different in age. So my daughter is two years old and my my son is nine. So daughter needs to to go to the kindergarten, the son needs to go to school. So it's a bit chaotic in the morning. So my best one is uh, Saturdays and Sundays when I can take both of them and we have great cafe just outside of our house, where we can go together. My daughter prefers to ride on my shoulders. I take my son and we go there and we're kind of pretty opportunistic in terms of what we have because the process is much more important than the ingredients. That sounds great. So getting into the questions, can you introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about your background? Sure. Look, my CV is one line and uh, that makes it very easy to, to explain. So I joined RTP back in uh, 2008. Uh, straight out of my uh, master's program, knew very little about the world in a whole and specifically about investing, but it was a fun time. I joined uh, December 2008, which if you think about it, was um, was a time where it was seemingly the world was falling apart in a very different way to, to how we see it today, but it was an interesting time. And then I spent uh, the last 15 years here starting with what was a very small team of less than 10 people to what's now a global investment firm. And since 2012, I'm mostly focused on driving our investments in Europe, now with a much uh, broader team and uh, being based in London as one of the partners in our uh, European London office. Fantastic. So could you tell me more about what RTP Global is and what your mission is? Sure. Well, you gave a, a very good opening, so I don't want to uh, to repeat yourself. But look, our journey is very entrepreneurial because when when the founder started it, he was an ex-entrepreneur himself. He sold his company and used the money from that sale to actually start RTP. 
And that's basically the story that we have had over the years. The story we have had over the years is that RTP already now more than 20 years in this game is focused on reinvestment of the proceeds that we we get from some of the most successful companies into our new funds. So all of our capital is self-generated. All of our capital is generated by the brilliant founders that we have been backing throughout the years, which we believe gets us much closer to entrepreneurs and understanding their journey. But the mission you outlined, look, it's empowering great, uh, great entrepreneurs that have the ambition to change the world through technology. And we want to be their partner. We want to help them and we want to give them resources that they need to help realize their ambitions. Great. So do you think that being started by someone who was a founder means that you have more of a, you really want to support the startups that you're at like the heart of the company? Look, everyone says it. So it's, what's a very, it's becoming a headline, which is frequently used. I think it's important to dive into the story. And I told you about the story that we have and why we believe it makes sense for us, because it's more or less our capital that we invest. So we put our capital in the front line. We believe that it, it enables us to view risks slightly differently in how we pursue them. And again, looking into our story, moving into Europe, Asia, and US uh, in 2011 was a huge risk opening those markets. We, we went through pretty tough times in terms of initial investments not going as we planned. We didn't understand the markets but we were courageous enough to continue there. And I think it's a testament of, uh, of what we have been able to achieve. So we do hope and we do believe that it puts us closer to the line of the founders, but obviously look, we have a very clear distinctions. They're founders, they run the business, we are their partners and we are there to support them. Yeah, fantastic. So would you be able to provide some insights into the impact that the current economic and market conditions are having on investment? First of all, we need to understand, and I'm in the industry for 15 years, but there are people who are in the industry for 30 or more years, yeah? The market always goes in cycles. There are always ups and downs, yeah? We have been in the pretty challenging macro environment throughout the last 15 to 18 months. And of course, it has implications on companies, especially given that the size of the venture capital industry in more or less every market you can think about, but specifically for us in Europe, has grown, which meant that more and more capital is being pushed onto the companies. And when more and more capital is being pushed on the companies, the main thing that's being discussed is how do we grow faster? And when you grow faster, when you, are, you increase your expenses, there is usually, yes, there are outliers, but there is usually not many other ways that you can do it. And when you start doing it, and at, the same, at, at some point in time, the market turns when you need to adjust, and the adjustment is always very painful. We know how this game works. Most of the companies, through increase of the expenses, get more heavily unprofitable. That leads to the need to restructure when the market changes. But look, this is what separates resilient businesses from non-resilient businesses. You need to understand and you need to be ready for going through different cycles of the market. Because if you are thinking about building generational companies, there will always be ups and downs. And the company needs to be ready for it. It's just the most important is to remember that it happens when you're thinking about your expansion plans, when you're thinking about your long-term planning and what you should put as probability on top of your plans to have the sanity voice in the background saying, okay, times might be good now, but let's make sure that we are stable and prepared if they turn. Yes, yeah, so it's very much 
making sure you're prepared for the worst but hoping for the best? Look, I would say it's more about building the proper foundation. Yeah, what you need to focus is to make sure that you have a foundation. On top of this foundation, of course, you need to build for growth, but you need to be very stable, and this stability should be there, which will hold you in the good and the bad times. Yeah, if you forget about the foundation, if you start building on top of something that's not really stable, and primarily we are talking about organizational setup over here, that leads to uh, mistakes that can be fatal for uh, for the startups and scaleups. Definitely. So what would you say are the key criteria and factors that you consider when evaluating potential startup investments? Look, for us, um, we, we, we go with the pretty old school approach of saying we are focused on the founder to a large extent. Bear in mind, we are early stage investors, so we focus on uh, seed and series A investments. So companies anywhere from as low as maybe 10 employees, as large as uh, 100 employees as our initial investment. And we are firm believers that the real change in the success opportunity and the ability to build breakout companies is, is the founders. We have had the experience of backing founders that built multi-billion dollar companies. We were one of the first investors in Datadog. We were one of the first investors in Delivery Hero. We were one of the first partners of, uh, of SumUp. All of those companies in extremely competitive industries where they had been challenged either by incumbents or at some point in time, they were not the market leader. The vision of the founders, and that's probably kind of, if we, if we take one step forward from the founders, what we are focused on is how they think about the future, how clear they are about what they're building and how they are able to articulate what they see the world being in 10 to 15 years and what is the role that them and their companies are holding in that future. And we think this ability to articulate and this ability to articulate it in a way that even the most complex problems are quite easily understandable is something that, that we are very much focused on in, uh, in our approach. So we generally bet on what we think are breakout founders this is what we see as being the examples of our success in the past. And we still continue, uh, we still continue with that approach. Okay, so that kind of moves us along nicely to my next question, which is, how do you assess a startup's growth potential and scalability? Or what signs indicate that they have potential for significant expansion? That's a great question. But we need to segment it because the criteria, the criteria is very different for companies that are seed companies or series A companies, series B or C. So let's talk about the companies that are on the earlier stage of their development where a lot of the a lot of the GTM is still to be figured out. Yeah. And to that extent what we are looking for is primarily, as I mentioned, the ability of the founder to articulate how they are thinking about the space they're in and how it will develop and what their role in it be in a very simple way. Yeah? Then obviously you would look into the background and to what extent some of the areas of what the company needs to do is being de-risked by the, by the profile of the founders. But I think one needs to be careful over here because we know that all of the examples of some of the greatest companies that have been created were by people that had little experience in the in the space that they moved in. So look, it's to a large extent a gut feel and that sounds a bit 
non-structured, but it's a gut feel about the founder and, uh, and the investor. But there is one more, one more point that we believe is very important. For us, partnerships is a, partnership with, with companies is like a marriage. So there needs to be a mutual love over there. Yeah? We as an investor need to understand the entrepreneur. Entrepreneur needs to understand what we can deliver to him and how we can help him. And that's what creates really best partnership that we have had um, over the years. So we don't only, let's say, try to make evaluation of a specific opportunity. We're trying to evaluate to what extent we are the right partner for this opportunity and to what extent we have belief and we have the, the understanding that partnering with the founder or the founders for the next 10 to 15 years is something that we are ready to commit to. And I think this aspect is quite interesting because this is often ignored, yeah? It's often ignored. You look like what's the best deal, but I think venture is not about deal making. This is not necessarily a stock market trading, yeah? It's about people, about the people partnerships and about long-term commitment that you as an investor must have to the companies that you bet. You mentioned about experience and sometimes the best companies are founded by people who don't have experience in the field. Would you say it's more over their education and their research into the field rather than their experience in the field that shows that they can go far? Look, I think uh, I, I, I think the traces can be very different uh, between between the founders. And because we are talking about the industry, which is not normally distributed, we are talking about outliers that produce the returns. Each of the story is very unique. Yeah, but the underlying underlying similarity that I would say is their commitment and desire to build towards the future that they see independent on the circumstances and the hardships that they see on their own. This is kind of the main one, yeah? Okay, so what advice would you offer to early stage startups seeking investment, so in terms of preparing themselves for pitching to investors? Look, I think that, as I mentioned, it's very important to be able to articulate the vision that you have for the company and the market and how you see yourself in the ecosystem moving forward. Yeah? And the ability to do it in a very simple way and let's say in a relatively condensed manner is something that's, that's really important. Yeah? I also always suggest to be as straightforward with the numbers as possible i.e. make sure that you present the numbers in a most fair way without doing a bit of the tricks here and there, which we sometimes happening because it, it ruins the trust. It's all about the trust ultimately between the founder and the entrepreneur and the investor. And this is what you need to ensure early on. Yeah, Build the trust, make sure that everything that you say can be validated or if it is not, it should be clearly positioned as a belief or assessment. And that creates a lot of trust, which bridges a lot of gaps early on when it's mostly about belief between the two people. Great. So could you share some examples of successful startups in your portfolio? And what do you think contributed to their success? Look, we we have been lucky enough to, as I mentioned, to back some of the visionary founders of Datadog and, and Delivery Hero and SumUp, yeah? They share very different stories, yeah? And I think they 
they focus on the playbooks that work for them. Yeah. If you look into Datadog, which created the space and created the category and created the market essentially to a large extent for, for DevOps because no one was talking about it back in 2011. One of the most interesting things when we started to talk to that company and our team started to talk to the company and we look into the deck now more than 10 years after and there was a product vision over there which basically showed how they expand like this one relatively small product to the whole product suite. They exactly delivered on everything that they promised from the product perspective. And they built the multi-product category, which is absolutely totally amazing. Yeah. If you think about Delivery Hero, which actually when we invested, um, was that Delivery Hero was formed as a merger of the several companies that we and the other people were investors in, they pursued the M&A strategy unbelievably well. So they pursued the market expansion. They saw the opportunity for the market leadership and they were very good in, in, in doing that strategy, which attributed to the creation of the uh, leading companies. Yeah. But I think all of them, with all of them, one of the interesting underlying factors, it takes time. Everything takes time. I firmly do not believe that it's possible to build a generational company in the course of one or two years. Of course, now a lot of the things are becoming much faster, but really you need to go through certain time periods that ensure that you are stable as an organization, that you go through different cycles and over those you can continue to grow, expand or adjust. And all of those companies basically took at least seven years to build it. Okay, so on the flip side of that, what are some examples of investments that didn't go as planned and what lessons did you learn from those experiences? Look, let's focus that, that, uh, the, the list of the, the list of the mistakes that I have made and we have made as a firm is much longer than the list of successes and this is how the industry should be. Yeah, And we have all of them together. But let's focus what, on something that I believe is very relevant for the market today and this is hyperscaling yeah when the market is going up and the, when the money is becoming more cheap the companies go into the motto of raising more and more capital and investing that capital to the pursuit of the even larger vision even larger ambition which is usually and so sometimes is driven not by the natural desire to go for the larger vision, but rather by the fact that you need to sell something which is bigger, bigger, bigger to the investors to raise more money. And everyone likes to talk about big things. Yeah. Now, in the in that pursuit and during the path of going that way, what frequently happens, you lose your core and you lose the basic understanding how your business works. What are the sustainable economics of your business? And are you at all growing in a sustainable way? And basically, we have seen a lot of hyperscaling companies end up pretty, pretty badly. And the reason, the underlying reason behind it is pursuit for the hyperscale at the expense of making sure that you have a stable foundation, something that we talked about. Yeah. So, and this is where uh, investors are, should be cautious and should make sure to provide a different independent perspective 
to the founders so that certain elements of organizational stability are considered at any point in time. Okay, so what would you say are the main challenges that startups face when they're seeking funding? And how does RTP Global aim to address these challenges and provide solutions for them? One of the approaches that we're focusing on is raising capital is, uh, to a large extent, at broad, a very time-consuming process. Yeah, You talk to hundreds of investors, Probably with 80% of those, you shouldn't even have talked from the the first place because they're not interesting, they're not relevant, they don't really want to do it. Well, it's everything that you know ex ante, unfortunately. So what we, what we believe as a model is we try to understand in advance what industries, companies, or sectors we want to play and where we want to invest. We try to reach out to the entrepreneurs with clear understanding of what their company does, what is the sector that they operate in, and how we can help them, which we believe closes the gap significantly between this transactional cost that the, the company need to incur over time to raise capital. So typically, we like to build the conviction early. We like to move before the rounds actually start and work with the companies where we have built conviction on the space or looking into what they have been able to do. So basically answering the question, transactional cost of raising capital can be very high. It is our responsibility as investors to use and appreciate, to use efficiently and appreciate the time of the founders. And we are constantly thinking about the ways how we at RTP can do it. And one of the approaches I just outlined. Great, so how is is there anything RTP Global do to assist startups beyond just providing funding? Uh, so in terms of resources, mentorship or guidance? One of the areas that we have been particularly focused on and have been building as a part of our DNA is the global approach that we have. And the approach that we have is that we have three teams in Asia, in Europe and in US with offices across London, Paris, Amsterdam, Dubai, Bangalore, and currently New York. And unlike many of the other firms, we try to work as one global team. And the reason we believe it's quite valuable is that it ensures that we can transfer the knowledge that is being obtained by companies, portfolio, or people in one areas of the market or in one geographical areas to the other ones. And given how you see that the ideation around startups and the, the business models has happened over the years, where it's not anymore from US, let's say, to Europe or to Asia, it's now coming from all the parts of the world. We think it's extremely valuable for the founders to talk, for fintech founders in Europe to talk to their peers that do the similar business models in Asia or in US. And we try to ensure that those knowledge is transferable and we utilize to the best possible expense when working with the companies. We also invest sizably in a bunch of resources internally, like uh, our internal IT systems uh, that can help benchmark the companies and that we're happy to share with our, with our portfolio as well. But at the core of what we have is this aspect of globality and one global team, the resources of which we want to expose to the, to the companies that we work with. So what trends are you seeing in the startup investment landscape and how have they been evolving in recent years? Well, the most obvious 
the the one that's all over the place now is the whole increased interest to artificial intelligence although to be fair it's something that's existed although at much smaller scale since 2017 and 2018 but it's a huge trend and every company should be thinking about the trend every company should have a discussion around what do we do with that how do we implement it how do we stay relevant within that but it should be a, a very strategic discussion with the clear objectives taking into account the products that the company has how this can be enhanced with the use of these new technologies and what is how do we deliver the better product how do the companies deliver a better product to their customers this is the right way in my opinion to think about it this is a very important trend uh it is there to stay and uh we think that it will only the importance of it will only increase uh in the future but we need to be very smart both as investors and the companies what does it mean because not not everything that shines is gold as we know so making sure that you have actually a strategy rather than being driven by the fact that there are many newspapers and now it's all over the place is the most fundamentally important challenge for everyone to solve yeah definitely ai is everywhere and i feel like there's constant stories about startups or even huge businesses implementing ai every day everyone's doing it now yeah look as i said this is uh this is pretty transformational in terms of technology but the most important is most of the companies already have the products and so the thing they should be thinking about what is our strategy with regards to the product that we have not independent of the product we have yeah and this is the most important thing to focus on yeah, definitely. So what sectors are currently being focused on in investments, especially in RTP Global? Do you see more medtech companies, fintech or? Looking into our our portfolio and the investments that we have done over the course of the last 24 months, it will be split approximately as follows. So 50% of what we have done, and I think this is pretty consistent, is around fintech, where we still see a huge opportunity despite this, the, the certain market downturns. And Europe is particularly well positioned over here, given the size of the market and given the inefficiencies that exist over here. We are very much focused on B2B software, which now becomes a very broad sector, but it can include or exclude uh, the AI topic, but this is uh, another important uh, sector for us. We are still looking quite a bit in the consumer space because obviously the opportunity to build, um, there is a huge opportunity to build big companies and we are starting, we're constantly trying to, to expand our coverage and to think about what we should add to that. So we started looking into the ESG opportunities and and uh, have uh, two climate deals that we have closed throughout the the last um, the last six months I would say so there is the we are a generalist fund but we have this underlying interest across fintech and b2b software but we are looking to expand it to other sectors as well okay great so how do you view the importance of market trends and the competitive landscape when making investment decisions I think it is important for investors. One of the calls that you are making is the call on the timing. And it's always a call on the timing. What is the right time? We have had a lot of examples where looking backwards, we can now see that we, we made bets on the right 
trends, but we were too early to the market. Now, the most interesting opportunities like Datadog emerge where you make an investment on the back of the trend, cloud to that extent, and it's the right time. Yeah, And this is something that we constantly discuss internally. Our belief in certain markets versus the timing where we believe the developments of that were there. And we are making adjustments to understand when is the right time to make a call on certain uh, on certain investments, certain opportunities or the certain markets that that we look into. But fundamentally, the, 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 the question on timing is one of the most important ones over there. Yeah? And we can talk about many industries where the incumbents who launched the first product in a given market were not the most successful. Actually, when we when we when we look into the history, it will be true for most of the cases and most of the industries because you need to go through certain certain adoption cycles and understand what are the challenges that are not being resolved in order to adjust and 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 create the more sustainable businesses over there. And so that's also the approach that we are taking. Sometimes we are right, sometimes in most of the times we are wrong. Yeah. So would you still take a chance on a on a startup that maybe isn't trendy in terms of market trends but that still has a solid foundation and that vision for the future that you were talking about earlier? Look, absolutely, because it goes to our DNA on the on the founder, yeah? And uh, if we see the founder or if we find a founder who who we believe is can deliver the story and can can articulate it, how his or her company is going to change the world would absolutely be very willing to consider it independent on the on the hype cycle. And again, let's let's the market has become much more dynamic over the course of the last uh, of the last five years. But if we look back into this decacorn companies that we have created, we should bear in mind, and this is proven by data that we have run, if we take the top 10 companies that generated the outsized returns for RTP throughout the years, and this probably comes out of portfolio of 200 companies, none of that companies was a favorite within the VCs at the time that we did the first investments. They had so many no's. Some of them couldn't close the rounds. And this is what actually created the outlier potential for, for most of them. So we believe there's a correlation. So riding the hype is, is important in terms of understanding, okay, if I believe in a trend, I should be part of it. But our data shows us that the biggest returns were driven by the companies that were far from what we call now high points. That's really interesting, actually, because I think there's a lot of hype around certain trends and that hype can die down really fast or that certain sector can become less trendy. So it is important that still startups that maybe aren't following that same direction are still given the chance to get funding because maybe what they're doing will be what's hyped about in a year or two look i ultimately believe hype is not important what is important is the founder or the founders the company and the vision because the industry is about realizing this 0 0.0 this 0.01 chance it's all about that it's very hard. Those entrepreneurs uh, have unbelievable courage to do what they do. 
and they are by far not driven by something that the market talks about because only they see what is the potential over there. We don't see. That's why we are investors. That's why we are not uh, building the company. Okay, well, that's fantastic. So what does the future hold for RTP Global? Do you have any exciting plans in the pipeline? We are pretty excited about the recent developments. In June, we announced a new fund, uh, which is the largest fund to date. It's a $1 billion fund, which will start investing out of shortly. We will continue with our strategy of uh, backing the visionary entrepreneurs who want to change the world through technology. It is our largest fund to date. It gives us a lot of opportunity to provide more capital to the founders and support them throughout the journey. And we are very excited about it. We have a great team spread across the three, three geographies. We have amazing investments in technology that's helping out do the better job in sourcing and understanding the potential of the opportunities, which we plan to continue to invest heavily in. So we are quite excited about, uh, about the coming years and what it brings for us. And then we'll continue to build the, the, the team. We are very much focused on building internally and helping people grow. I'm one of the examples of such. Think about it as joining as an intern and ultimately spending and learning a lot here. I think we provide a great environment for the people to do it. And we will continue to help our talent develop and become the best investors because, frankly, every generation is better than the previous. So I'm really excited to see how the people in our team are, development, are developing and what's, what's the future there. I'm very, uh, very positive on that. And having the capital that we have to back the companies now is exciting. So... Uh, we are pretty uh, pretty bullish on the on the future and look independent how the market goes up down sideways great companies are created at every point in the cycle the entrepreneurs are courageous enough to start independent whether the market is up or down and will continue to be there to to back them great that's fantastic that's really exciting so before we wrap up is there anything else you wanted to mention look i think uh, i just want to say that being an entrepreneur is a very hard job and a very long-term commitment. And when taking the decision, especially looking into what's going into the market, think about the vision, think about where you want to be in the next 10, 15 years, and make sure that you have a clear path, understanding that there will be a lot of ups and downs, and always focus on the foundation of what you have. This is the most important. You want to build a company that will be there for a long term and you want to make sure that it is stable and you will have the right support and backing to build it into what and how you see it in the future. Great, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on The Serial Entrepreneur today. It's been great speaking to you. Likewise, thanks for having me. Thank you, and we look forward to see what else you'll be investing in shortly. Hi, I'm David from Captera UK, a free online resource where you can compare software from nearly 1,000 categories and find over 2 million verified reviews. Today, we'll be focusing on Applicant Tracking Systems, or ATS for short. ATS is a recruitment software that helps companies manage the hiring process by providing skills matching, database, and filtering abilities. These selections were chosen based on reviews provided by verified users. We've put together for you the five best applicant tracking system tools from companies headquartered in the UK. The top ranked in alphabetical order are Applied, an ATS tool that uses skills-based assessments and anonymizes applicants to help with employee selection. Eploy, a cloud-based recruitment platform offering recruitment CRM, onboarding and analytics as well as applicant tracking. Everec, 
an applicant tracking system that can assist with job posting, CV filtering, and candidate ranking, Firefish, a recruitment agency-focused software tool that offers CRM, ATS, and database features, and Talos ATS, a recruitment software designed for in-house recruiters with email and SMS automation and tools like one-click apply. For more about Capterra and our other software providers and their reviews, discover us at capterra.co.uk and the Capterra UK YouTube channel. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out Startup Magazine's socials to stay up to date on the latest startups news. Grab a bowl and dig into this. The Serial Entrepreneur by Startups Magazine. We interview the most innovative startups at the moment, entrepreneurs that are making a mark and those dedicated to helping startups succeed.